Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. As you open your Bibles with me to the book of, uh, I want to go to Numbers chapter 21 today. Go, go with me to Numbers chapter 21. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Listen. And the soul of the people became very discouraged because of the way along the way. One translation says, because of the way God led them. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food, no water. Our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among them and they bit the people. And many of the people of Israel died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. They got a revelation. We have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, raised it up. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. I want to talk to you for a few moments. I'll give you my title in just a minute, but I'm focusing on the theme of the danger, the great, 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 great danger of discouragement. And I'm going to give you the remedy. I'm going to give you the answer to it. In the Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. And if you've not seen It's a Wonderful Life, you will probably not go up in the rapture. Amen. (laughs) How many of you have ever seen that movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Well, in that movie, the main character is a guy by the name of George Bailey. George Bailey's a good guy, but he gets extremely in hard times and discouraged and even contemplates suicide. But thank God for the power of friendship. He had some friends who got together and prayed for him. And when they prayed in the movie, it touches heaven. And there is an angel who is in charge of all the angels in heaven. And he turns to one of the lesser angels and he says, it's time for you to earn your wings And your assignment, if you want to earn your wings, you'll get your wings. If you succeed in this, your assignment is to go down and help George Bailey. And the inferior angel said to the superior angel, well, before I go, tell me what's wrong with George Bailey. Is he sick? Is he, has he got some horrible disease? And the superior angel's answer is a classic. He said, worse than that, he is discouraged. Worse than some horrible disease, he is discouraged. The devil knows that the greatest thing he can use against the believer is discouragement because you're never really defeated until you're defeated on the inside. That's why Numbers 21 said the soul of the people was greatly discouraged because of the way God was leading them. And then the very next verse says that serpents were released because of discouragement. Anytime there's a 
culture of long-lasting discouragement. We all have days of discouragement, but, but I want to warn you to not allow discouragement to set up camp in your life because it attracts serpents and serpents are a type of, of demons. The devil is that old serpent in the book of Revelation and they're attracted to an atmosphere of discouragement. I believe that we need to understand that the people of God were, distro- were, were discouraged. The people of God, not, not, not the devil's crowd. It's possible for the people of God to get low and get discouraged. And I just want to say that probably nobody walked in here today. When we get discouraged, we almost feel ashamed. We almost feel embarrassed. We almost feel guilty. We don't want anybody to know that we're discouraged. I doubt when you turned to your neighbor and said hello or whatever, they spoke up and said, I'm really discouraged today. I feel like quitting. I'm thinking about just, just I, I'll tell you, I'm, I've had it. It's been, nobody does that. And yet it's almost like we ignore the dangers of prolonged discouragement. When you understand that, what what really causes discouragement is given in this text. The Bible said they were discouraged because of the way. They were discouraged because of the way of God. They were discouraged because of the why of God. They were saying, why are we in this desert? Why are we going through this? Why are we in this wilderness? Why? The way of God, the why of God, and then the weight. The waiting on God. It's, it's, it's been too long. It's, something should have happened by now. And usually when people get discouraged, it's because of the way that God is leading them. You thought it would be an easy way and it's a hard wilderness way. And on top of that, the why of God, when you don't have answers for your questions, no explanations as to why it seems everything's going wrong. And then on top of that, you're waiting and waiting and waiting. This breeds discouragement. Discouragement is born when we compare ourselves with somebody else. When we begin to compare ourselves with somebody else, but let me tell you what ought to cause great joy to come to your life is if you'd stop comparing yourself to other people and you would just remember where you came from and remember where you started and remember how much God has blessed you. You're doing more. You're seeing more. You're achieving more. But if you start comparing yourself with someone else, you can get discouraged because they're doing more maybe than you're doing. But the greatest way to get on your feet and praise the Lord is just think about where I came from. Just think about what God started me out as and where I am today. And it's encouraging to not compare yourself with others, but to remember how far you've come and where you started. So everybody give him a praise for that. Think about that for just a moment. Let, let a little firecracker go off in your soul right there. I mean, look at you. Look at the life you've got. Look at the house you've got. Look at the car you've got. Look at how good God's blessed you. And you're, you're discouraged because you're comparing yourself to somebody else. Another area that causes discouragement, and this is so important, is trying to force fruit out of season. The Bible said, as long as the earth exists, there's seed, time, and harvest. There's seed, there's the promise, and then there's the promise, but there's time between seed, time, notice seed, time, promise. You can't ignore The time when a woman is pregnant, the doctor gives her a due date 
And that's why the scripture said, do not be weary in well-doing for there is a season called due season. And in due season, you will reap if you don't faint. So hear the word of the Lord today. Many people are trying to get fruit in the season before it's due. And the important thing is when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God poured out his spirit. And in John 5, it talks about the people sat around the pool of Bethesda waiting for, listen, a certain season. They knew it didn't happen all the time, but you had to wait for the due season of the miracle when the angel would trouble the water. And the point is you cannot force something to happen out of season and you have to learn to wait. But many people get discouraged. Another symptom of discouragement is the loss of vision. Discouragement will make your vision become blurry and unclear. And when your vision in life becomes blurry and unclear and you don't know where you're going and you had some kind of setback and you feel you, maybe you broke up with somebody and you saw yourself with them for the rest of your life and now everything's blurry and unclear, that's, that's discouragement. You need to recognize it. It's a dangerous thing to not recognize when you're really discouraged. Discouragement will cause a loss of enthusiasm about life, about God, about purpose, about life in general, about everything. A discouraged person is a person who has lost passion and enthusiasm. Isolation is a glaring symptom of discouragement. The devil wants you to isolate yourself, pull away from people, pull away from family, pull away from church, get discouraged, get depressed, cave in emotionally and separate, isolate yourself. So, and when, and when anytime the enemy isolates you, it's to devastate you. When you feel least like coming, that's the sign you need to get here the most. Another symptom of discouragement is paralysis. Discouragement will freeze your actions. The paralysis of analysis. You're discouraged and you're afraid to do anything and take any chance and any risk. That's why when Elijah got discouraged and ran from Jezebel and went in a cave of discouragement, God came and said, how, how long will you halt between two opinions? In other words, you know, if you're not careful, discouragement will halt your advancement. It'll cause you to just not trust your own judgment and have the courage to make the right decision. Discouragement, notice this in the Bible, will affect your speech. When they got discouraged, they started murmuring and complaining. And discouragement always shows up in your talk. Your words will be slurred with negativism. Your words will be slurred with whining and self-pity. The most tragic thing that can happen to a Christian is to become negative. The 10 spies came back and the Bible said, they said, we can't do it. But two of the spies came back and said, we can do it. And it's one of the rare times in all the Bible when both sides were right. Because the ones who said we can't didn't. And the ones who said we can did. And the point is, what comes out of your mouth determines what you do and what you can't do. 
especially in moments of discouragement. Let the weak say, I am strong. Notice the two said we can, the 10 said we can't. And we know the names of the two that said we can. If you've been around church much, you know the two who said we're well able to take the land. Their name is Caleb and Joshua. And I dedicate babies and I, a lot of people name their name after their babies after Caleb or Joshua. But you'll never hear one of the 10 names of the people who said we can't. You want to know why nobody knows their names? Because nobody cares about people who say we can't. We don't name our name. We don't name our kids after people who say we can't. Another symptom and sign of discouragement is a loss of inspiration, a loss of motivation, a loss of aggression about life and get up. And when your get up and go has got up and went, you're discouraged. Discouragement is the despair of wounded self-love. Discouragement produces cowards. The very word discouragement means to basically just suck the courage out, draw and drain the courage out of a person. To be discouraged is to lose all courage. You will not step out. You will not risk. You will not try. Discouragement will make you a coward if you let it stay. And I just want to pause right in the middle of this sermon. Because I know I'm preaching to people by television all over the world who are discouraged. I wrote this down. I want you to let it get in your spirit. I pause in the name of Jesus to come against negativism, despair, hopelessness, fear, despondency, depression, disgust, frustrations, feelings of failure, thoughts of quitting, thoughts of giving up thoughts of suicide, I'm here today to tell you that God is greater than your discouragement. And I call for the power of the name of Jesus to release new faith, new vision, new hope, new confidence, new determination, new zeal, new enthusiasm. Baptize us saturate us, marinate us with courage. Be in courage. Now everybody shout like you believe. This book is true. Come on, praise him a minute. Somebody up in the balcony, praise him a minute. Shake off those snakes. Chase them back into their hole. If you stay in discouragement, it attracts the serpents. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't care what you're going through. Your God is greater than depression. Your God is greater than financial problems. Your God is greater than cancer. Your God is greater than the loss of a loved one or the breakup of a marriage. Your God is greater. So be encouraged. David encouraged himself in the Lord, not his circumstances, in the Lord. I refuse to go further until at least 1,000 people get up on your feet and praise the Lord. We don't belong down. Down is not your destiny. You don't belong underneath the circumstances. 
You have to encourage yourself. All right, now listen. Because God is greater. He's greater than gossip. He's, gr he's greater than haters. He's greater than people tearing you up on Facebook. He's greater than owing somebody money. Why would I take my life if I owe somebody money? I owe them the money. I'm just saying, that, that don't make sense. Now pay your bills. That's not what I'm saying, but, but you understand what I'm saying. We have minimized the danger of discouragement. Don't play with it. Get help. There's nothing wrong with telling somebody I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, and I can't get out. I can't get up. There's no shame in it. There's nothing wrong with going to a good Christian counselor and saying, help. I'm never, I'm, I'm in something and I can't, I feel, I just feel like giving up. Reach out for help. Reach out for help. There's help here. We've been there. We've been there. I may need your help next week, but this week I feel, I feel pretty good. I could help you. Somebody could help you. Don't be ashamed to say, I'm discouraged. How you feeling? I don't feel nothing. I don't feel good. And I don't feel like the favor of God is shining brightly on my spirit. I, I don't feel that. I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. You ever felt that way? Did God see you through? The size of your God is determined by the size of the thing it takes to discourage you. Your God is only as big as the thing it takes to discourage you. Israel got discouraged because they compared themselves with their enemies, not with their God. I know you can't do it, but can your God do it? I know the giants are bigger than you are, but who said it was you against them? I thought it was your God. Put your God up against them, not put yourself against them. Measure your problem against God, not yourself. We see the devastation of discouragement in John 1 when it talks about John the Baptist. And when he was first introduced to Jesus, he said, I saw the spirit descend like a dove and it abode upon him and I knew him. I knew him. And then John announced, behold, the Lamb of God. He's it. I've got a personal revelation. I know who he is. He's the Lamb of God. And there's rejoicing. But a few months later, he's arrested, John is, and he's in a, in a filthy prison, Herod's cell prison. And he sends his disciples to where Jesus is because he feels abandoned. He's discouraged. And he says, ask him, are you the one? What do you mean, am I the one? You're the one that said I was the one. But see, see the danger of discouragement. Discouragement will cause you to question what you previously affirmed about your faith in God. Discouragement will begin to get you to ask questions about, did I really see that bird descend? Did, I, did, what, did that really happen? Did, did I really hear that voice? Did God really confirm to me? Is Jesus who he really said? It'll cause you to question your spirit visitation, question your divine demonstration, and question your personal revelation. There are things that can come in life, listen to this preacher, that will make you wonder about that bird. Was it real? Wonder about that experience that you had in an altar. Was that voice real? 
Make you second guess what you said Jesus was to you. Make you question the will of God. Things will come in life that will make you question the love of God. How can a loving God let this happen? Will make you question the call of God, the word of God. When you understand that and you get that revelation, hear this. John would have never entertained the thought of looking somewhere else until he became discouraged. He actually said, ask him, are you the one or should I start looking somewhere else? That's, this is John the Baptist. But he got so discouraged, he entertained the thought of looking somewhere else instead of Jesus. And when you're being tempted to pull away from Jesus because he's not working like you wanted him to work, you need to know you're in a serious danger of discouragement and that discouragement is trying to drive you away back to the drugs, back to the alcoholism, back to the immorality, back to other religions or other gods or atheism because of your discouragement. I just proclaim in the middle of my seasons of discouragement, there is no God like Jehovah. I may not see the bird anymore. I may not hear the voice anymore. I may not feel the flutter and the joy of the Lord in this particular season that I may be walking through, but I declare boldly, there is no God like Jehovah. He's still God. I want you to see the doorway to discouragement. In Psalm 73, David found himself so discouraged he wanted to quit. He said, truly God is a good to Israel, even to as many as who have a clean heart. But catch these next words. But as for me, my feet almost slipped and I became envious. He says in verse 13, envious of the wicked. He's saying something. He's saying, oh, I know God will bless Israel, but I'm the exception and I'm the rule. That's the, that's the word. I, I'm the exception to the rule. I, I'm someone that he can bless Israel and he can bless pastor and he can bless this one and that one, but not me. That's discouragement talking. He won't favor and help me. He won't bless me. And he was envious of wicked people. He, in other words, he was saying, I'm living clean. I'm living right. And this is not working for me. This faith in God is not working. They're doing better and they worship idols. This is not working for me. This is a discouraged man. The question is, how did he get there? You have to back up one verse into the previous chapter, chapter 72 and verse 20. The last verse, right before you go into all that discouragement, catch this. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse are ended. Please hear me. The door to discouragement is prayerlessness. When he said, I'm done praying, I prayed all I'm going to pray. Then guess what? That opened the door and he steps into that next chapter and is full of sliding and sliding back and discouragement and, 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 and I'm the exception and God's not with me and I'm going under and I'm not going to make it. What I'm saying to you is that's how you get discouraged. When you stop praying, when you stop asking, when you stop praising, when you stop coming to church, isolating yourself, you go deeper and deeper into discouragement. I'm so glad you came to church today because I don't believe that we have to leave like we came in Jesus name. Elijah got in a cave of discouragement and God told him to do something. He said, all right, 
I want you to come out of this cave of discouragement. Jezebel ran you in here, Elijah, and you've been discouraged, and you said, kill me, and I feel like quitting. But he said, here's what I want you to do. If you want to come out of your cave of discouragement, go anoint three people. And he told him to go. In other words, start sharing your anointing if you want to be encouraged. Now, you got to get this. If you want to be encouraged, you got to go encourage somebody. As long as you're focused on me and self and pity, you're not going to get encouraged. But he said, I want you to start sharing your anointing. You know what? I'm anointed to preach. I'm anointed to sing and play. I know that. And you know what I've learned? That when I'm discouraged, if I'll share my anointing, if I'll preach in those seasons when I'm discouraged, that's where some of my best sermons come. When I sing and worship, when I'm a little discouraged, seems like that really touches people's hearts. They don't know what I'm going through. But there's something about when you are in your own cave of discouragement, you begin to share the anointing. He said, Elijah, go anoint some people. And too many times we get so centered. Why don't you call? somebody if you're discouraged and encourage them. Why don't you check up on somebody? Why don't you hug somebody? Why don't you take somebody out to lunch? Why don't you encourage somebody? And when you share your anointing, God will bring you out. Now I'm, I'm headed to the conclusion right now. God said to Moses, here's the formula for the healing of discouragement. Make a serpent of brass Put it on a pole, lift it up, and tell the people to look at him. You got to look for help in the right places. When you get discouraged, if you're not careful, you start looking for help in the wrong places. And when you're discouraged, help is not going to come from a bottle. And when you're discouraged, help is not going to come from abusing pills and drugs. There's really nothing that can help you like Jesus can help you. And you got to look up. Here it is. You got to look up and you got to lift him up. You got to praise him if you want to come out of discouragement. You've got to get to the place that you don't get shook up. You look up. And see, if people are hearing me right now and you're just fighting over your discouragement. You're dem- you, that ain't going to work. You don't know. You've never tried. I wouldn't preach it. You can, you can test a lot of pretty much everything I preach up here. You can test it. And I'm just telling you, it's impossible to stay discouraged and, con- const- and down when you're constantly lifting Jesus up. <laughs> Lift him up if you're discouraged. And here, I want to I end with this. Pray. Praise, lift him up, look up, keep looking up, because the devil doesn't mind you celebrating and remembering that time in your past that you made it through. And he really doesn't mind you believing that sometime way out there, God's going to turn your battle. I'm going to see a victory way out there. That time, sometime. But the thing that makes hell nervous and the thing the enemy wants to do that keep you, that will keep you in discourage is convince you that this time you're not going to make it. This time you're not going to get out. This time there's no way you're going to bounce back. 
but I've got a message for the devil. And I almost wrote it on my shoes. That time, here's the title of my sermon, that time, this time, and every time, God will not fail me. Everybody say, that time, this time, and every time, God will not forget me. God will not forsake me. God will not fail me. Now, wait a minute. That time, how many of you have got a that time that you can look back on? This time and every time, God will not fail me. God will not fail me. God's healing you. If you need help, get help. But God brought you to this service this morning to heal you of chronic discouragement. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And when you get that down in your soul, like I got it, I got me a new little thing. I'm going to tell the devil from now on. If you don't get nothing else out of this sermon, take home this piece. That time. This time and every time, God will not fail me. God will not forget me. God will not forsake me. One more time, say it bold. That time, I need somebody to shout over that time. You know that time when the enemy whispered, take your life. The enemy whispered, there's no recovery. The enemy whispered, you'll never get through this. That divorce, that whatever, that, that, that disaster. But God said, I'm going to see you through. That time, this time, somebody shout over in your very circumstance right now. He's big and in control. And here's a big one. Somebody shout over every time. The battle is the Lord's. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.